0: Hi, my friends. We really need your support to keep bringing these wonderful voices to you. If you find joy and solace in the podcast that we create, please consider clicking the button on the right side of the site. You know, that little button that says donate. Thank you for your kindness. Hi, my friends who listen to Future Primitive. Today I'm holding in my hands a wonderful book called Consciousness Medicine. Indigenous Wisdom, Entheogens, and Expanded States of Consciousness for Healing and Growth. This book is by Francoise Bourzat with Christina Hunter. Francoise Bourzat is a consciousness guide and counselor. She has a master's degree in somatic psychology from New College of California and is a Certified Hakomi Practitioner. She resides in the Santa Fe Bay Area and she has been weaving the healing potential of expanded states of consciousness and psychology together in her practice for over 30 years. Drawing from years of close apprenticeship with her Mazatec teacher, as well as training in other indigenous traditions, Françoise has developed a comprehensive approach that bridges Western and indigenous modalities for healing and growth. She trains therapists and facilitators, and teaches at the California Institute of Integral Studies. And she also lectures internationally.
1: Hello, Francoise. Hello, Johanna. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Good.
0: So tell me a bit about this book. How did how did that come about?
1: Well, this book came out. About because I was um, asked to teach a course at the California Institute of Integral Study called Expans- Expanded State of Consciousness and Psychotherapy. The students in the institutes are trained to become psychologists, um, either through the East-West Psychology Program or the Counseling Program or the Somatic Program. And one of the professors there, the A program director at the East West psychology program, decided that what I had to say was valuable in the context of the Institute and that I should design a course. So I did my course and one of my students, um, Christina Hunter, who was also uh, studying with me independently, decided that we should record the lectures and transcribe them. And just for collecting them, sort of a document, documenting them. And then she decided that it would be uh, good to write a book. And I thought that was a good idea. I had been thinking of writing a book for quite maybe uh, 10 years or so, but I didn't quite know how to organize the the. The topics, and in fact, the the way the book came out through the lectures was very um, a, a good organization, which of course we expanded on later. So how long did this take you? Well, my first class was uh, organized for two thousand and twelve. The transcription of all the classes and the organization it took about on and off, five years uh, to write the book. I mean, it was periods of really letting it be, and me writing on it, you know, on my own, and then Christina organizing the material, and then I would be traveling, and there would be a couple of months off. So it was a certain um, uh, ebb and flow in the creation of this book.
0: I want to know. I'm very, I'm very interested in finding out what first attracted you to these entheogen medicines. Mm-hmm.
1: I, um, as I write in the beginning of the book, I was introduced to them uh, during a travel that I took in South America. Um, when I was 19, It was 75. There was not a lot of action there <laughs> at the time. Was lot, there was a lot of the, what we call the hippie movement, right? Uh, people were traveling and hitchhiking right. through. The continent, and that was what I did <clears throat> for about nine months. I traveled like like this with my then boyfriend, and I was able to have the opportunity to experience uh, a which is the mescaline containing cactus, also called San Pedro. And it was in the mountain of Bolivia, a very indigenous um, environment, a uh, local. Uh, landscape of that plant. And it was a fabulous uh, opening for me, Uh, literally, uh, the doors of perception (laughs) opened up for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, for fast forward a few years, when I came here in this country in 81, at the age of 25, uh, after a few years, being here and doing various uh, expressive arts and um, healing arts like bodywork and dancing and things like this. I um, I met some people who were involved in what we call medicine work. They were therapists and they were um, interested in the effect and uh, potency of substances in collaboration with regular psychotherapy. So I became a client of this group of this uh, medicine man and the people around him. And uh got myself immersed into um, the practice of ceremony and journey work that was then including MDMA and LSD and mushrooms and ketamine, MDA, various substances like this. So my introduction to the field was really through the lens of personal growth, development, personal healing, consciousness expanding. Um, I I did not really have a lot of... uh, how could I say, Uh, recreational or, um, you know, more like fun fun environment, concerts and such. My uh, entry into this world of Entheogen was really through those practices. And then when I went fast forward a little bit more, when I went down to Mexico and met uh, the Mazatec tradition, then I was really immersed into a very sacred approach of handling uh, the mushrooms and it was sort of out of the question to uh, treat them any other way in a more recreational way once I had this alliance with them in that way. I'm curious, in a personal way,
0: you say the doors of perception open for you and... uh, wonder if you would be willing to describe how your own consciousness changed, where you were and what your consciousness has become. Mm-hmm.
1: I think that it's all hindsight, you know, when I was uh, 19 and I was in the mountain of Bolivia taking the San Pedro cactus, I literally felt that my, well, at the moment, which is very branded in my memory and my psyche, I really felt like my connection with nature was deep, was resonant, that everything around me was incredibly mysterious and unknown, and at the same time, deeply familiar. There was an ease in being with the mountain and the wind and the local people whom I had no idea of their tradition, of their language, of their customs. And yet there was a feeling of bonding, of being at ease with uh, them um, and experiencing that they were at ease with me uh, in those moments. Um, And I was polite and discreet and appropriate, but there was a sense of uh, complicity. And so my perception of my relationship with nature as well as the interaction with human beings transformed in that day, really. And the potential of ease and unrestricted or unconstricted patterns became really a possibility for me. Uh, It didn't mean that it all stayed and was solidly anchored in my uh, life yet, but the doors were really open and I think that that's what uh, oriented me and made me recognize later on when I came across the substances again that 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 was uh, a path I would want to continue exploring mm-hmm. yeah.
0: so you could you could say that really in your first experience the the doors to your
1: to your communion with nature opened up. Very much, very much. I had a background that was certainly, how could I say, uh, uh, p- positively oriented towards that. I mean, I always loved nature, and it was part of my background with my my father was from the, a little village in south of France, and there was a an ease and a um, recognition of, of being surrounded by nature and Uh, you know uh, walking around and fishing and cultivating that was familiar to me so nature was never something other or very far from my reach or my um, my comfort but in those in in that day I really felt like the uh, my, my my deeper perception and my deeper oneness with nature really came full full force to my perception yes
0: so I met you in uh, in the mountains of Mexico. I yes. met you in uh, Huautla de Jiménez mm-hmm. with Linda Ward. And uh, you were, can one say, and you say that in the book, that you you were apprenticing with this <coughs> shaman called Julieta Casimiro.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Would you talk about your relationship with
1: dear, dear
0: Julieta?
1: Mm. Yes, I remember when we met there very much. It was a wonderful occasion at uh, uh, the gathering of the... 13 Indigenous Grandmothers Council, Julieta Casimiro, my teacher, had invited the council, which meant the grandmothers and their entourage, I should say, mm-hmm. translators and, the, and uh, people traveling with them, as well as an audience, to be uh, witnessing and participating to this gathering. Julieta um, was a wonderful, wonderful uh, woman in terms of her knowledge her uh, very profound understanding of nature, of the herbs of nature and the healing power of everything that surrounded her. She had a very um, uh, deep understanding of energies and how things communicate with one another. Um, She had a strong mastery of her mushroom ceremonies. She was quite private about that knowledge and did not speak readily or explain or describe or teach readily, but she was um, willing to uh, have me close by. And over the years, um, she uh, developed a more trust towards me. And, you know, she came to California and lived in my house and um, met my family and I brought my family and my kids down in Wautla de Jimenez. So there was a strong family bond and a strong trust um, amongst all of us, her children and my family. She was uh, very uh, opinionated, very fiery and very adamant about what she knew and what were the boundaries of what she considered appropriate work with the mushrooms, which was very important for me to have clear definition of what she considered healthy, and what she considered um, disrespectful. Uh, And I, you know, I I learned a lot from her. She was very dear to me, and we spent 20 years doing a lot together, traveling in France and in Israel. Um, I took her twice to do pilgrimage on the step of Jesus, you know, which was so important for her Mm -hmm. to be uh, visiting the holy sites that she was singing and praying about, and there she was. Uh, it was very, very meaningful for her. So we had a, a wonderful uh, a friendship and love and family feeling, and I, I want to say very uh, gingerly, but I want to say mm-hmm. a collaboration of sort, because mm-hmm. uh, I think she uh, she learned over time to understand my angle as a psychologist, my narrative as far as reporting to her what people come to me for or come to me with the stories they bring. And for her to understand that the the work deserved a narrative, some explanations, some, some psychological accompaniment. And I think she really learned to uh, hear and, and uh, accept that and, and understand and actually appreciate that. So and, I, of course, I learned a tremendous amount from her. Yes. I mean, I can't even <laughs> start listing all the things I learned. But, um, but it was nice to feel her willingness to, with trust and mutual respect to open up to mm-hmm. other ways that were very foreign and very other to her.
0: What would you say was the most exquisite, and I don't want to call it thing, the most exquisite feeling that you learned about her ancient relationship with the Santoninius?
1: I feel like what was really communicated to me, or what I received from her, as well as from the space that she opened and supported. During the journeys that I had there, so it's part of her direct um, teaching in words, part of me sitting by her side, guiding ceremonies together, and part of it is my own inner journey under her guidance as my uh, as my guide as my as the healer. And what I understand most is the principle of interconnectedness and relationship between um, forces, between um, powers that belong to the land and powers that heal us, between our inner world and the outer world, between um, the way we filter energies or other people's stories or... um, power of the land, uh, of the rain, of the trees, of the, of the thunder, of, of the river, and how we are impacted by those powers um, and those spirits of this, that inhabits those, those areas and those uh, specific uh, points on the land. So I feel like this is something a little bit esoteric, but for me, it really feels like this is the essence of what I've learned. I've also learned about trusting the medicine, trusting the mushrooms, trusting the the power of their doctoring, even if I really don't understand what is happening, even if I'm afraid in a journey, or even if I'm overwhelmed, or even if... Um, you know, the images I see or the landscape I visit are very mythical or uh, uh, beautiful maybe, but not really making sense. And that I have to, uh, and she taught me to really surrender, to really accept the mushroom's teachings as as precise for my healing.
0: That's very interesting, because you would be one of the people who could describe the most to me anyway the most deeply what is the relationship that happens between these 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 little mushrooms that grow wild on the on the land and People's healing and psychology, and that, and that that these these little mushrooms seem to adapt to a great number of people's needs.
1: What is that about? Yeah, I mean this is a fascinating topic. I'm really glad you are bringing it up, uh, Joanna, because, you know. I feel like what, whatever the mushrooms are doing on the land out there, being wildly connecting, wildly composting, wildly, uh, you know, growing and everlasting beings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they are also that in us. That is really a topic that is dear to me. This um, again, I, it's not. I don't know if that's something. You know, I, I got from Julieta directly, so I just don't want to put words in her mouth or sure. anything like this. But my understanding um, is that we are uh, possessed, uh, literally, or, or possessed. When we take mushroom, we are basically inhabited by the mushroom mycelium intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's not so much like the mushrooms are growing inside us, but the the principle of the mushroom intelligence is taking over, literally, our entire System, our physical body, our emotional body, our spiritual body, our psychological background, our you know cosmic expansion, our relationship with the land, with other human beings. We are literally um, instructed by the principle of the mushroom interconnectedness to understand these principles, and we are. Um, Realigned, we are purified by the principle of composting. Right, whatever we have inside that is really heavy, that is really toxic, that is really potentially contaminating becomes recycled and reclaimed, and we come, we become more vital. Right, so yeah. that's the principle of mushrooms that really is incredible in the uh, in the in the in, in the field of human beingness and healing. Right, because its infinite potential of restoring the vitality through the purification process of these mushrooms. Yeah, so they grow wild in us, you're right. They grow right. wild out there and they grow wild in us. Wow, I
0: love your enthusiasm and I <laughs> I share it. yes. And yes. then in this composting, I have to speak about my own experience. I have found tenderness, wisdom, compassion, and clarity uh, mm-hmm. that I didn't have before. Yes. Uh, yes. And that was certainly not imparted to me in uh, in the environment where I grew up. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, there is a rawness, there is an immediacy, and a authenticity with the mushroom that is so strong, and at the same time, very endearing, because they're called the Nino Santos, because they are the little children, right, the little holy children. And they are very innocent, and very new, and very young, right, as mushroom would be, they don't last very long. And so they have this, uh, this, this innocence, and this mischievousness. And at the same time, they're extremely powerful. This is the paradox of what mushroom teach us, Paradox, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the are young and they're old and they're, uh, yeah, that's the paradox, yeah. And they really invite us to accept in us this, um, the, you know, things between the possible and the impossible, that everything can coexist at the same time. This is, uh, it's not an either or with the mushroom. There's always the both at the same time. That's beautiful, and, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Because while you were talking, I was thinking about
0: interdependence and mm-hmm. uh, and this absolute beauty that uh, when uh, a lot of the time when one has been in in session with other people, there there is a flow of interdependence that remains.
1: Yes. 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 Yes, the interdependence that we are taught to really recognize in the mushroom experience leads us to change life as we relate to other human beings and to nature. And to ourselves, of course, of course, the interconnectedness of the parts of ourselves and the child part and the adult part and the wounded part and the compassionate part, right? All this interconnectedness is valid within ourselves and then it's also valid outside of ourselves. So that principle is really massive in the mushroom. That's really the principle that is running, you know, not only the planet, but... That's right our inner intelligence right
0: i'm um, i'm wondering since we are both uh, speaking enthusiastically about uh, this medicine if you would speak about well i have to say that uh, you're a very um you're a very respected and um and and at this point revered guide in the world of entheogens. And uh, so what would you say, who would you say would be a good candidate for transformation through entheogens and who would not? Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, I mean, I appreciate you putting that warning. I'm very enthusiastic about the mushroom, of course. This is a very uh, enthusiastic subject for me. And... And um, I am also a very cautious person. I am not moving fast and I am not, uh, you know, uh, reckless in any way at all. So I feel that people can benefit from an experience with mushroom as long as they have a personal curiosity towards themselves, towards what is happening inside them, that they have the capacity to reflect, introspect, and stay curious and honest and authentic in their sincere willingness to grow and heal. So that's the first thing. Uh, the other thing is to have a, a strong and a, a healthy relationship with the guide who would be there, who would have a sense of navigation, a sense of understanding, a sense of mastery in the field of guiding, in this practice of mushrooms? Someone who has done their own work before and knows the territory of those explorations, in their beautiful aspects and their challenging aspects, and could actually, you know help someone go through these various aspects of these journeys. And that guide would have also, of course, a strong commitment to support the process after the journey. I feel like people who have had a lot of trauma, mm-hmm. uh, developmental trauma or, uh, you know, trauma, um, like an accident or yeah. a, a war situation or rape or a surgery, uh, something like this, right, or death in the family, something uh, accidental and sudden. Um, people with trauma like that need to be really uh, cautious because what happens in a trauma, I mean, I'm not going to give a lecture on this, but what happens in a trauma is that the body gets flooded with adrenaline and flooded with a sense of overwhelm and fear and fright. And uh, it can freeze and it can contract. And essentially, when we take mushrooms, we have a bit of a similar situation where the the, the mushroom sort of a... the the civil scene, you know, takes effect. And there is a sense of being overwhelmed, overtaken, as I was mentioning earlier. So the mushroom kind of takes over the brain chemistry, essentially. And the person can feel overwhelmed, can feel panicked with this. And it can recapitulate a, a sense of earlier trauma. So it's not ideal for people who have not done any exploration of their earlier life or of a trauma that may have happened even recently. Uh So, um, it's a good idea to do other things first, to do regular therapy, different processes for addressing trauma, like somatic experiencing or EMDR or Mm -hmm. brain spotting or, uh, you know, many different aspects of uh, psychotherapy that can help someone sort out and and ease the aspect of uh, intense trauma. Now, the other thing is, uh, that being said... An experience with mushroom can be beneficial if the guide knows how to uh, measure the dosage. I was recently talking with Julieta's daughter, who was here to visit for a week on vacation, and she was telling me she saw this man in Wautla that showed up. He was cutting. The doctor said he was schizophrenic. He was taking medication. I mean the case that nobody here would consider even, you know, potentially a good candidate for such experience. And she gave him mushrooms, right, in the middle of this incredible diagnosis. And I said, and I said, how did it go? And she said, fine. <laughs> I mean, fine. And he came back and he got better and he understood his sickness. And now he's not medicated. And, I mean, I'm not saying this is a treatment form, but right. it was interesting to see how, in Mexico, they don't have any intake. They don't have any medical intake for people. They just take people who show up. And they have a faith that the mushroom does what the mushroom will do with them. So it's interesting that we have words of cautious, caution, and we say, well, not in this case, and not in that case, and not with that med, and not with that condition. And there, somehow, they manage whoever shows up. And there's no problem. So it's a very interesting conversation to have around.
0: Yeah.
1: What do we? Who do we consider appropriate for it, and who do they consider appropriate for it? Right.
0: right. And and I have to say that um, I'm uh, 74 years old, and uh, no, never in this country. But uh, I, and I am, 36 years. Sober from alcohol and bad drugs, mm-hmm. but I do ceremony with mm-hmm. various uh, entheogens, and uh, I have to say that I do not see a bad side to it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it it has increased my sobriety. Is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Yes.
1: Well, in Wautla, the Jimenez, there is an AA program, and the AA program includes ceremonies, or rather, they do, they do the AA program, uh-huh. the Mazatecs, knowing yeah. that everybody is doing ceremonies also. Wow. Yeah. It's not it's not either or, right? It's not like well, we're doing AA, so we're never going to touch the mushroom again, because it's part of their tradition. They don't see it as a drug; they see it as a ceremony. <laughs> Yeah, right, they right. they don't see it as a as a uh, as a as a alcohol or pot or cocaine or whatever they would do, you know. Right, right, right. right. of course. So yeah, for for yes. for them, it's uh, it's 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 not even in the category of drugs. So, right, right. and I agree with you. I mean, I'm 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 sure. Uh, I mean, you you say that yourself. That is really amplifies your sense of health, your sense of balance, right. your sense of wellness, your sense of Connectedness, your sense of spirituality, and it it supports your sobriety completely. And
0: I want to say, uh, I think it's a really good medicine for serious illness uh, one yeah. might have. So, yeah, anyway, let's. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, your profession in the in the Western world is fairly new, being yes. a ritual yes. facilitator. Yes, And so I think it's good In your book You have some pages That speak about The code of ethics For yes. spiritual guides And I yes. would love it
1: if you spoke about that
0: mm-hmm.
1: Because there is abuse There is abuse I know, I know there is abuse there, You know, anybody in a place of power Is subjected to pages. Their pages. own unconsciousness And their own uh, unfulfilled uh, sense of self. You know, this is going to be in any profession at any time, right? So, the this uh, this field of psychedelic therapy is not spared from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I wish to say it differently, but it's the truth. I mean, we want to believe that people involved into psychedelics who are more, how could I say, more uh, conscious or more healed or more liberated of uh, unconscious patterns would be clearer. And I believe it's probably the case, you know, that there is less abuse than in other professions, right? But uh, it is important and to talk about ethics, uh, because we must, because someone who is guiding uh, is in a place of power. Um, A place of of being admired or being uh, wanted or being seduced or being, you know, there's all kinds of of things that the client will work through at the time of uh, the work, right? And uh, that can be a problem. I mean, I see. I, I've seen that in Mexico. You know, I've seen people, you know, in the journey coming out and adoring Julieta or adoring me or whoever was mm-hmm. assisting me or, you know, thinking we are the next uh, best thing. You know, and you know, th- 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 there's a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot of projections, right? Uh, and so we need to be careful as guides to really adhere to a code of uh, no harm uh, to, to to say these things. I mean. Like I said, things do happen and will happen and have happened, but at least we need to say that we have a code of ethic which uh, is important and I'm very strong about it um, in my in my in the people that I train. Um, this is something that we really have to discuss and talk and um, the code of ethic is you know do no harm, don't abuse your um, clients, patients, uh, journeyers, um, and whatever, th- you know, it's true for psychedelics and it's true for anything, right? It's true when you take a group of people in the woods to do ritual. And it's true mm-hmm. when you do therapy and it's true when you do movement and art therapy and meditation. I mean, it's true in any kind of expanded state, right? That the guide becomes this sort of a hero or heroine, you know, and that becomes a, the source of, a of a a sense of power right and uh, the code of ethic is there to remind the practitioners that they're there to serve they're there to be of help they're there to um, be honest with their own self with their own growing edges with their own vulnerabilities that they have to continue receiving supports and um, guidance themselves they have to be Sort of uh, leaning on elders or others mm-hmm. um, in the field, so they're not isolated. If something starts to look and feel a little, um, how could I say, risky, uh, or, uh, touch, you know, a little, a little edgy and uncertain, then they can seek help and counsel. So, it's a very important, uh, important piece of this field. I think yes.
0: Be, uh, the most powerful experience you yourself have had on um, psychedelic medicine if you mm-hmm. wish to share it
1: mm-hmm. there's so many of them I have to pick yeah. um, the one of the day the one of the day when it comes me, <laughs> what comes to me what comes to me what comes to me now It's one of the first, um, in fact, it's probably uh, not the first, but one of the first experiences I had with Julieta that comes to me now. I was alone with her in a ceremony room and she gave me this plate of mushrooms and started to do the prayer and the singing. And then I didn't feel anything. So she gave me, I told her, I said uh, she could feel, I was not. I was not going. So she said, you're not feeling it. And I said, not really. And I'm sensitive. So I was surprised. I had before done other journeys with her and it was not the case. So she gave me some more and I couldn't feel it. So she gave me a third plate Mm -hmm. and I was really scared. By then I was really scared. I said, oh my God, I mean, when I'm going to go, I'm going to go and it's going to be radical. And so I did. I went eventually into the journey and um i became very frightened i was act- actually re- reaccessing an old uh episode when i was 4 years old or 3 years old maybe even and i had a, a cyst on my on my near my eye and the doctors were alarmed that it could uh impede my vision so they wanted to operate it and so i was trapped on a table and and i had this woman with this big Chignon, you know, this big thing on top of her head, you know, this hairdo in the '60s, mm-hmm. and she leaned over me with this mask, this black mask to put over my face to put me to sleep with the the gas, you know, the ether, right? And uh, and that was what I was accessing. So I was I was relieving all this. I was relieving this woman leaning over me, and as, at that moment, Julieta actually sat on me. She kind of literally went from her pillow wow. to me and sat on me and held me down. And she held me down a little bit like the woman would, would, that I was trapped, you know? Yes. And then she leaned on me, and I saw her face, and she looked like that woman, that nurse. And and I went sort of blank, and then I started to shake, and I started to cry, and I started to go through, in a way, my fear of death, which is what I thought was happening to me. I was being killed, Right. Uh, even though I had no word for it because I was so young, but my survival instinct was totally mobilized and I felt I was being sacrificed, basically. And, uh, And she leaned on me and she told me, I'm here, don't be afraid, I'm here, don't be afraid. And she must have said that 35 times or something. And she sang and she told me that, and she sang and she told me that until I relaxed and I cried and I was liberated from that. And I would never have accessed that if she had not been so radically holding that space and I had not felt so safe in the mastery of her skill. It was very, uh, yeah, I was, you know, I knew I had had this surgery. I knew it probably was or had been something meaningful for me um, you know, in, in theory in a mental state but I had never been able to access it and I'm not sure why I needed to access it but it was almost like it was a rite of passage in surrendering so deeply into my younger fear that I would uh, test my trust in her not test but like whatever surrender to that trust and experience her um, her mastery it was really uh, beautiful. Actually, it was very beautiful because it uh, transformed my entire um, capacity to surrender, to accept difficult places in my journeys and, and be able to say that to people too, you know, to talk about that from a place of having gone through it myself.
0: It, this is a very important story because uh, for me... When I've been thrown off and frightened and lost in a in a journey, it has been because my shame has come up, mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. shame that uh, I don't deserve to be a human being, mm-hmm. and so on, which is put into us uh, frequently when we're a child. Mm-hmm. So do you see that happen and and how do you embrace people when you see that coming up, that Mm -hmm. shame of being a human being?
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, I feel like a lot of us have a layer of shame or guilt, depending on if you're Catholic or Jewish, (laughs) you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Shame is the Catholic and and, and guilt, guilt is Jewish, you, you, know? you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so it, it depends on your background. But What's Muslim?
0: What's Muslim?
1: I don't know. Okay, go. No, I, I, no. I wonder. I think it's uh, probably... Um, I wonder, I wonder, I have a lot of Muslim friends, but I wonder what they have. I should, I should ask them, actually. That yeah, would be good. yeah. Because I say that because it's kind of a joke in my family. My husband is Jewish, so we, we, we joke about that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Okay, what's the, the Catholic of the shame and the Jews of the guilt, you know? And so I think that, I think that there is a lot of that weight uh, culturally, uh, li- I mean, literally culturally, right? I mean, people raised in Christian values have a lot of shame. Because of the scene, because we're not supposed to be, you know, as human, we are flawed to start with. And we, and and sexuality is a really shameful thing. Um, God forbid we would have desire or sexuality or anything dirty. And so we have, we're constantly covered in shame. And I feel like in the mushroom journeys, what happens is that the organic, natural, animal aspect of ourself comes up to the surface and comes up to reclaim its own place, its own uh, rightful uh, space. And so we shed this layer of shame or we go through the uh, source of it, right? We go through understanding the fact that we have shame because our parents had shame and they pass that on by the air we breathe, you know, or the words they said or the environment around us. So we recognize through tracing back the original formation of this shame in our parents' um, environment and their own story, right? And and then there is our parents' story that we can also revisit and explore and understand why we got the way we got because they had it too. Um, so there is that transgenerational Exploration that happens in Mushroom Journey. And through this recognition, and hopefully, you know, the feelings we have about it anger, sadness, compassion we can uh, return to who we really are and the original blueprint of our nature, right? Which is being. Uh, alive being vital being joyous being creative being uh, manifesting our potential being uh, interconnected as we said being uh, loving all these qualities are and being uh, and being fierce when we need to be fierce and being you know boundaried or angry when we need to but Mm -hmm. being more natural and not covered with this layer of shame so I think the mushroom is really a great healer for that
0: Okay, Professor Borza, would you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you a very technical question now. All oh, right. Would you be able to describe for us, for those who who are want to hear, the difference between the various psychedelic possibilities, uh, mm-hmm. uh, MDMA? ayahuasca, which a lot of people are experiencing, mushrooms, and I think I could name three more if if you wish. (laughs) Yes,
1: long list opening, right? Three or four more. I know. So I'm happy to talk about that. I mean, I want to say that again, it is important to name that whatever I'm going to say about these different substances have to be taken in the context of how are they going to happen? Are they going to happen in a festival, you know, at so Burning Man extent. or in a concert? Are they going to happen in a party? Are they going to happen with a guided uh, environment? Are they going to happen in Mexico, in Peru, in the original environment? Are they going to happen in a MAPS uh, study, right, for PTSD? Mm-hmm. There's a lot mm-hmm. of uh, context that uh, are important for the usage of those medicines. Huh? Um, so, so that's my disclaimer here. Mm-hmm. Um, MTMA is um, a, a, a wonderful medicine for getting the lay of the land of the inner psyche. I think that's my experience, and that's what I've, you know, heard plenty of reports of. So uh, MTMA helps people access their 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 state. What what is the what is blocking them? What is really the matter? What is the the person in their life that they have to resolve things with? What is their layer of potential, the layer of power that they can unleash? What is their trauma, right? I mean that's why MDMA is so uh, successfully used for PTSD treatment through MAPS and other um, other organizations, right? Because it heals trauma. It helps the trauma to be processed through the brain and people don't get so overwhelmed and tight and frozen and, uh, you know, like that. So it's a really good uh, approach for trauma uh, treatment. Um it's also a very uh, useful medicine to create a healing environment between a a journeyer and a guide. It really creates a, a trusting environment uh, filled with safety and compassion and understanding and getting really aligned as far as the guide can really hear more deeply what the Junior is dealing with and struggling with or opening up to, so I think that creates a, a very safe container for other medicines to be explored further. Mm-hmm. It's a little tricky because of the chemistry of the uh, of the MTMA, as far as the lending afterwards that needs to be uh, carefully uh, supported or carefully. Um, at least uh, taken care of, if, if not supported ke- uh, chemist, chemically, at least uh, attentively supported by uh, the therapist. Uh, in the old days, you know, it was a really wonderful uh, substance to help couples finding more mutual uh, understanding, mutual compassion, mutual appreciation for one another. And it was really great for people to connect and bond and uh remember their uh the reason why they were together. So it was a very efficient couple therapy um uh you know uh, process and, and Shulgin talks about it and a lot of people mm-hmm. have talked about it. Um so that's MTMA. Um well mushroom, you know, we talked about yes. it. Uh maybe I Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca, you know, I've had I've had a couple of years of uh, pretty intense practice with ayahuasca. And so I'm going to talk about what it has been for me, because I can't really generalize. um, But what I understand is that it is a very uh, important uh, purification process. It is an important opening to the creative power of our uh, psyche and imagination and unconscious. It also uh, uh, helps access a place of peace and emptiness and cosmic uh, wideness Mm -hmm. that is very um, deep. It also helps access... uh, you know because it is from the jungle because it is made by a, with a vine uh, partially it is also um bringing to our, our consciousness uh, what we call our reptilian brain right there's a lot of uh, reptilian uh images and imagery a lot of uh, jungle uh images and and texture and thickness and you know it the plant itself is giving out its identity in the experience itself Um, People have also reported that it really helps them access their DNA and trace back the double elix of creation, Mm -hmm. which is, of course, an amazing uh, regression, right, into the the, uh, atomic nature of our structure. So this very, uh, very important and very, uh, um, very, very big, big experience, right? Um, what else would you like to know? Uh, I'd la- you know? I'd like to talk about mescaline for a moment because I feel it falls into a very specific category, a little bit like yes. MDMA in a way, yes. because it is a lot more about the evidence and the principle of presence. Unlike ayahuasca or mushroom that really are melting the ego structure, uh, mescaline is not melting the ego structure, like MDMA. It's it keeps the ego intact. It keeps our our the natural environment around us, um, you know, what it is. I mean, it it might be more alive and more breathing, but it's not distorted mm-hmm. like we see on mushroom or LSD or ayahuasca, right? Mm-hmm. So mescaline is like a very here now reality the evidence of what is true in our life. It's very truth-telling, and it's a very unique uh, very unique angle to our growth. And uh, I, I do do uh, mescaline here and there, and I, I really like the the state that it creates in me and the solidity. It solidifies mm-hmm. my beliefs in a, in a way that nothing else can because it keeps me here and now while I'm... Um, um, tracing back my my belief system and what is important to me,
0: and that would be your first love, and um, that's my what first to love. Uh, San Pedro.
1: <laughs> yes, it is my first love. So it's a very yeah, it's it, a special place in my heart. And when I do it again, like I said, maybe once or twice a year, I do that. I feel this. Um, a reminiscence of how I started of course it's always extremely uh, uh, souvenir like right to remember that that entry point and uh, and, and and I and I keep I keep visiting uh, new places every time, of course, on Mescaline too, and it's a very important uh, reference point for me. I guess it's a kind of a la- landmark, you know, benchmark along the way of my of my growth and exploration. That remains a steady uh, benchmark. Yeah. Beautiful. And what, then there are other things yeah. like. Like uh, ketamine, for example. You know, when I was working with Pablo and Salvador Roquette way back when, and since then, I, uh, I, I work with some physicians helping me because it's a little complicated. And, I, mm-hmm. you know, I want a doctor present or nurse or someone who is allowed to uh, facilitate this process. But ketamine is a really important piece, of course, medically, as we know, for depression. But uh, when it is... Uh, uh, dispensed, um, again, with a physician present and with a serious intake, you know, ahead of time, um, it can open a space of vast spiritual layer that is not reachable in many other medicines. So the space of disembodiment and the space of soul land that is not really uh, emotional and not really... um, it is no time. There's no space. There's no emotion. There's no human, it's human being. There's just it's just pure soul and spirit. But it's a non-emotional soul. It's a very interesting principle, and I think it is uh, it, it is really about transcendence, and it's an important piece to know for us human being to know that there is a, a larger dimension that is beyond us, that goes beyond us, that is even not really understood, and that it remains a mystery but that we can access it through this medicine. I think it's a really valuable uh, experience.
0: Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I'd i like to bring this beautiful conversation around uh, by speaking, hearing you speak about the other end of the spectrum, which would be merging with the elements and you uh, you put it very beautifully, our responsibility for nature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've thought a lot about our responsibility to nature, but, right. yeah.
1: Yes, you know, this entire, you know, practice, I would say, or exploration with uh, mushrooms or substances is only good... If we do something with it, it's not an hedonistic only an hedonistic uh, process sure, we want to we want to heal, and sure we are we have our wounds and we have our inherited uh, uh, stories from our culture and family so we we do and deserve to be liberated and free and then what right, and then what? so we are better now, we are not so contracted we have you know, um, a love with people, and we have compassion in our heart. And uh, it needs to be acted on, it needs to be a state that is expressed. My teacher, uh, my teacher Pablo used to say, you know, this is all about expressing your potential. And once you connect with your potential, you have to express it, it's not just enough to have a potential. You have to express it, and you express it with your work, with your love, with the creation that you do, and with how you take care of things around you. It's about giving. It's about service. It's about helping. It's about generosity and solidarity. And so uh, I feel like this is almost a responsibility to uh, carry this work outward and not let it sit inside us, because ultimately, if we do that, it festers. This work, like this, of 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 gaining expansion or gaining light or gaining love or gaining meaning, accessing that and yeah. sort of uh, you know storing it inside, is not is is going to help us. It's going to get us sick, unless or unhappy or um, uh, you know contracted if we don't express it out. So that's a really big invitation. I feel a big responsibility uh, as we connect with nature we have to then take care of nature and if we connect with the human family well we have to stay engaged with the human family and be generous with the human family so it's not just something that heals us inside individually but is actually brought out in the tribe and in the environment um you know when we went um i don't know if we if you were there we went after the grandmothers council at uh, in Wautla we went to India. We went to Dharamsala. I wasn't at that one, no. Okay, yeah, Cynthia was there. That's so why I was. Yes, I didn't remember yeah. if you were there, but we were there. And the whole point, right, of uh, of uh, Cynthia's movie, uh, Cynthia Jure, she made yes. a beautiful movie on compassion in action. And that was the Dalai Lama message to us as we had this audience with him. He said, you know, it's one thing to to have compassion in your heart, but the point of having compassion in your heart is to act it. Is to do something with it. It's compassion, compassion with nothing else, doesn't do anything. Yeah, okay. So you feel better, you feel compassionate. Okay, you feel more free inside. But unless you put it in action, it actually is nothing. And so that was very important for me to hear those words. I felt really like, wow, that's a, that's a. I mean, I heard it before, but coming from him, I don't know. There was, <laughs> there was a whole environment that felt very like a transmission, like a satsang. You know, like he was really. Uh, giving us marching orders um directly around what it's like to be grandmothers or women or of wisdom or what it's like to to act on these things that we do know and he uh, yeah told us you know compassion has to be acted so that's what you're mentioning here you know this responsibility of being engaged with what's going on around us appreciating nature and Trying to respect it and doing our best to do our part in uh, helping nature survive, basically at this point, and also, you know, um, refraining from polluting it or doing our best to, um, you know, compensating for the way we have to pollute it if we need to travel for some things. And mm-hmm. so it's a it's a matter of really paying attention to, you know, the actions that we do without being too, like, shamed and without being too guilty, without being too, you know, we don't want to regress to the place, oh, my God, I'm such a bad person, I want to be better with the earth and I'm bad and, i am you know, I'm traveling or I'm flying or I'm not doing this or that. So it's a matter of discernment and, and, and doing our best, but it's a matter of being staying awake with it. Huh?
0: I think those are beautiful two words for us to um to finish for a while, staying yeah. awake, staying awake, staying awake. <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> I mean, the platitudes are really all there is, right? Right. Now. I mean, it's all like it's all about love, staying awake. You know. What I mean, right? It's all. It's funny, you know, how it all boils down to few words at the end. So yeah, yeah. Well, this was, was great. Thank you very, very much, François. Oh, it was such a pleasure. I mean, you. Uh, evoked in me some uh, interesting places that I had not uh, spoken of before. So thank you so much for your very uh, astute intelligence in the field. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.